0: Welcome to Analyst Talk with Jason Elder. It's like coffee with an analyst, or it could be whiskey with an analyst, reading a spreadsheet, linking crime events, identifying a series, and getting the latest scoop on association news and training. So please don't beat that analyst and join us as we define the law enforcement
1: analysis profession one episode at a time. Thank you for joining me. I have many aspects of your life are progressing. My name is Jason Elder, and today our guest has almost 10 years of law enforcement analysis experience. She started out as an investigation secretary in Pasadena Police Department in California and is now the analyst supervisor for Anaheim PD. She's an instructor for Cal State University Long Beach Center for Criminal Justice. Representing the state of California, please welcome Ashley Hood. Ashley, how are we doing?
0: Hi. (laughs) It's so weird to have somebody like read your resume, basically.
1: Ah, some of that is not easy to say. So I I think I did okay. But (laughs) anyway, it is great to have you on the show. How are things in California?
0: Things are good. Actually, it's so funny. It's been like cold here, right? My little snowflake on my car came on this morning. And so I was like, oh my God, it's cold. But then I just, it's supposed to be 80 degrees this weekend, which is insane. Uh,
1: Yeah, that is crazy for December. See, I am a PA boy from Pennsylvania. So the fact that there is warm weather in December still is a little odd to me. Yes, it is. So, yes. But all right, well, we got plenty to talk about today, and let's first ask the the question how you discovered the law enforcement analysis profession,
0: okay, so when I was first born, no, I'm just kidding <laughs> no, it was it's actually kind of interesting because I was an interior design major in college. that's what I thought I wanted to do and I was smitten about a boy. And so my boyfriend at the time wanted to be a corrections officer. And so totally different tracks, right? And I'm like, okay, I'll take some electives, some criminal justice electives. I have no desire to do this, but you know, and I took them with him and I actually really liked the classes and so then I took another one and then I took another one and then I'm like hey I think I'm a CJ major now <laughs> <laughs> and I knew I didn't want to be a corrections officer, but I wanted to do something in law enforcement. And so the guy I was with and I broke up, but I stuck with criminal justice and I thought I wanted to do CSI Mm -hmm. because all those shows were out and I thought this was really cool. And so I'm like, Hey, I want to do CSI. This sounds amazing. And when I graduated, I, like, applied at every local agency around me. And Placentia actually hired me as their police cadet in records. Oh, so, okay. yeah. So I did that for about six months. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm graduating. I have, I'm working part-time. I need a full-time job. I lived, like, two hours away from my parents. And they hired me on full-time as the investigation secretary. So I was like, oh, thank God.
1: Nice. All right. So I I do want to get into that investigation secretary gig, but I first want to ask, what did you want to do with interior design when you first picked that major?
0: What did I want to do? I don't even know that I knew what I wanted to do. I just really liked decorating. And so I thought that that was, I don't know, that made the most sense for me to get a major in interior design because I enjoyed decorating. I liked looking at different colors, color palettes. And I actually, so it was kind of the perfect storm in that I had a really bad professor. (laughs) And (laughs) so I was like, I don't know that I want to do this. And then I really found, I don't even remember the first CJ class that I took, probably like intro to criminal justice or something. Mm -hmm. And I had a really great professor, so I was like, oh, this is really interesting, and interior design is not for me.
1: (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, well, I can see having an eye for color definitely can help you with some finished products and analysis. I I am colorblind, so I always make sure that (laughs) I not only have people check all my spelling, but check all my color palettes as well.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So I still really enjoy decorating and things like that. And several years ago, I don't do this anymore, but I was working as a wedding planner on the side. Okay. Yeah, so I kind of still did aspects of that, right? But I didn't actually, you know, I didn't continue that. It was just like a hobby of mine that I did for a few years.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Well, see, you need to be on the conference committee if you're a wedding planner, because I would can imagine that there would be a lots of overlap between conference committee and wedding planner.
0: Oh my gosh, I could only imagine. So I've never <laughs> planned a conference, but yes, weddings are very, very, very interesting. <laughs> Planning a wedding.
1: Oh, lots of moving parts and dealing with so many people. No, thank you.
0: (laughs) Yes. And the vendors and yeah, it's, you have to like be so nice to everybody all the time, but actually get things done too. And you know. sometimes you're like, oh, come on, people. Yeah. <laughs> have a conversation yeah. with each other. That's what you yeah. end up being. You're like the person to have the conversation with multiple different vendors, you know, obviously the bride and groom, the families. So it's it's really actually similar to analysis in that you're like we're having the conversation. Sometimes we're having like detectives speak to each other that sit right next to each other, you know. So you're kind of like that conduit, the glue.
1: Let's get back to you starting your career. So what exactly did you do as a investigation secretary?
0: So I did case assignment. So it was a small agency. So Mm -hmm. it's like you get a title as investigation secretary, but you really do like 10 different things. Mm -hmm. And I was really able to finish my work, you know, like my my assigned work by like 10 (laughs) a.m. (laughs) And so the rest of it was kind of doing things for other people. So I would, I would assign the cases. So I would read the reports that came in again, smaller agency. So there wasn't that many reports to read. And then I would assign them out to different types of, I think there was like four investigators at the time. So I would assign them and say like, Hey, you get this type of case. And we would call them A, B, or C cases. So A cases were arrests. B cases were that there was leads, and C cases were inactive. There was nothing to do. So it's kind of like closed out. There's no leads, nothing. So I did that, and I I really brought them more to like the technical phase of things. I I put everything in Excel, did a lot of data entry. I actually created my own access database to manage all the cases. And as I was doing that, I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. I enjoyed doing that kind of stuff. I found it really interesting. And I liked streamlining processes and stuff because everything they did was At the time, like handwritten a lot of paperwork and things like that, and I that was just not my cup of tea. So I kind of made a lot of changes. But then I was able to help out in traffic. So I I actually was the investigation secretary, but I sat in traffic. So I didn't sit in investigations. And so (laughs) I'm like hearing everything that traffic needed. So I was working DUI checkpoints for them. I was talking with the the traffic sergeant in CSO and finding out about like the traffic processes. And then I sat, the desk was closest to the, they had a, just like a, a temporary jail that they would house people in before they would take them to County. And so they asked me if I would get trained to do searches on people that they brought in, you know, like female searches. And so- oh, okay. Yeah, and so at that time I was like, sure, that sounds great. Like I'll just do whatever because I'm trying to learn what I want to do in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And and that was probably one of the worst decisions ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so tell me more. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh. So, I mean, I again, during training I went to like a training and I thought it was cool. I thought it was kind of interesting, but when they actually called me for my first like to do my first search Mm -hmm. I went into the jail and I remember this girl, oh my gosh, she was like a total, so she was hardly wearing anything, but Mm -hmm. she was on meth or something, some kind of drug and she was just like a hot mess and she was so rude and they had, you know, I had to check everything and I'm like, I do not want to deal with like this end of people. (laughs) This Mm -hmm. is not... (laughs) what I want to do ever again. So luckily it wasn't like anything crazy, but I just remember thinking like, this is not what I want to do at all, which was great because again, I had the experience and I realized this is not for me.
1: <laughs> oh well, see, that's kind of serendipitous as well, because had you had somebody that was easygoing and got a couple more under your belt, you might have continued down that path.
0: Yeah, I would have. I maybe, maybe I would have been a jailer or something. Yep.
1: <laughs> All right. So then you move on from there to Anaheim.
0: Yeah. So I actually, so I was the secretary for a little bit, and then I did get a job in property and evidence, and I did CSI also. So small agency, multiple jobs. I did that for four years, and I was on call 24-7. And so I was the one going out to the scenes. It was just myself and the supervisor. And I promise you, every single time I wanted to see a movie I got called in (laughs) (laughs) every single time like the it would be like the beginning credits or it would be 10 minutes into the movie and then I would get called in and I'm like are you kidding me. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you're starting to have me believe in time travel. Maybe somebody is (laughs) rigging your whole life to make sure that you don't do certain things and only do other things.
0: Seriously. Yeah. So I realized, again, this isn't for me. (laughs) I -hmm. can't do this for a career. And I actually, I graduated from Cal State Fullerton and they have a certificate program in crime and intel analysis. And so I decided like, Hey, why not? This sounds awesome because you are behind a desk and you're not doing searches on inmates and arrestees. And I went back to school and I got my certificate and everything I was learning, I was bringing back to the department. So again, because the department was small, they were really open to anything. And so as I was learning different types of analysis techniques, I would do that, and I think since I already had a great relationship with all the detectives, a lot of the work that I was doing, I would I was learning cell phone analysis, like te- I think it was called telephone toll analysis at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, instead of you printing out all of these numbers and highlighting it, let me <laughs> mm-hmm. put it into this system that I I had access to different. While I was a student, I had access to things since I still worked in law enforcement. And I was really able to prove to them that this was cool and that it's something that they would want. And then I did the same thing with administration and started looking at the stats and percent change and you know it was basic analytical techniques but it was something completely new for the agency that Mm -hmm. they never had and so luckily the the chief was really excited and I marketed it really well and he actually created the the first analyst position there and I applied for it and I
1: got it and of
0: course it was investigation secretary slash analyst Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) You got that added. That's an accomplishment, right? (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: I I do find it fascinating that a lot of these positions in police departments where they're just developing the crime analysis position or the intel analyst position for that matter. Some people may argue that, hey, there should be more stringent guidelines on what the analyst is to do, right? And it should be part of the standard operating procedure. You know, Dr. Rachel Bobo will talks a lot about that as like how the the position of analysis sh- should be ingrained in the standard operating procedure and and mm-hmm. therefore the analyst knows exactly what he or she is supposed to do yeah but in in talking with so many analysts now for the last couple of years, I do find it just really awesome that some people are just able to grow and blossom the position because there wasn't these rules or set up of what the position was they were able to do like what you did where you took this position of investigation secretary and just took it in various directions whether it's technology or just bringing in analysis or working from investigations to traffic and just carving out The position is a little bit more of a like it's like it's a your own frontier type of thing, establishing the position.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree. Like in a perfect world, we do want it to be in, you know, an SOP so that it's very clear. But a lot of agencies, especially smaller agencies, they still don't have a good understanding of the position and what an analyst can actually do. So when you work for the agency for a while and you can identify where the issues are, you know, or where the needs are for that department, because not every type of analysis is going to be needed, you know, when you're a solo analyst, it's not going to be needed for every agency. Like it might be unrealistic. And when you can identify that and really market to the decision makers, what is going to be beneficial, then I think that speaks volumes, you know.
1: Mm -hmm. And then so, so what were things that you were able to establish once you got analyst at the end of your title?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I was actually a management analyst, but I did crime analysis, but I actually, so I used IACA because the resources on that website are insane. And so as a member, I was able to what past videos from conferences and things and I basically said like hey nobody bother me for like a month. Let me watch all this and create some things and then I'll come back. <laughs> so I created a, you know I ODBC connection to the RMS. You know, I was on phone calls with the vendor, the mapping system. I used free mapping a lot, like Batch Geo, but we had an ArcGIS license, but nobody understood the layers. And, you know, it was kind of like a student using the ArcGIS system Mm -hmm. at the time. And so I was calling other agencies to see what they were doing. I called Lori Velarde and I'm like, Hey, she's the GIS expert, you know? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, what do you do if you're starting from scratch? You know, what do you do when you don't have somebody at the city to call to help you out? And so she's like, call the fire department, you know? So I was, all of that took a lot of time but I was having these conversations with a lot of different agencies and entities outside of the police department. And I was really learning from scratch everything, you know, which I think made me a better analyst because I was able to understand the process. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, a lot of it was, like I said, setting up, I mean, bulletin, even the bulletins that were sent, sent out were not the best. And so Mm -hmm. I was kind of creating a new standard for bulletins. I was identifying MOs. I was pushing out this information to patrol at the brief, you know briefings that they had, things like that, that they just never had this before. It was more like word of mouth, right? So, mm-hmm. but to actually have a document or have somebody that's looking at all of the cases to share this information was, was huge for them.
1: As you look back and have the nice view of 2020 type thing and mm-hmm. so the the order in which you developed all of these things is is there something you that you wish like oh i wish i would have developed that first and maybe waited on some other tasks to develop later would you, would you have done the done them in a different order is basically what i'm asking
0: yeah i think So I was still a very new analyst and Mm -hmm. there are things that I've learned since then that I would, of course, I wish I knew then as a solo analyst, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think that things could have been even like more accurate. And I remember thinking like, oh, wow, this is amazing what I did. And then when I came to Anaheim and they, you know, already had a unit here I was like, oh, I wish I would have done it this way, you know, just uh, Mm -hmm. better ways to streamline things even because I was, I had nobody to talk to at my agency, you know, and you Mm -hmm. have the resources at other agencies, but ultimately they don't work there, you know? So it's like people are very helpful, but they don't actually know what is going on. And I didn't always know the right questions to ask. Mm -hmm. So as far as like, I mean, I was there for a year in that position. And so there wasn't a ton that I did. I think I did a lot of basic stuff, you know, mm-hmm. creating the ODBC connection, things like that. Oh, just like even some of the formulas and stuff in Excel, I did things like the longer way <laughs> because, <laughs> and it was okay because I had like a small amount of data there, you know? Yeah. So I guess it was kind of like, oh, well, I'm going to hand count it. But I was like, when I found out, I'm like, wow, there's an, Way better ways to do things.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So, because it can be daunting when you're starting with a blank sheet of paper. Like, what should you create first as you're creating all these different products for the police department. So that's where my head was going is like, Oh, is the you know, kind of lessons learned if there's somebody who's in a similar position that would you recommend them starting out with a with a task, a, a different task over another task?
0: Yeah. I think for me, the hardest since I had worked at that agency for so long prior, I was there for like six years prior, Um, Mm -hmm. I had a lot of the relationships, but people had a difficult time, like understanding this new role. Um, so I had a lot of people that were still asking for, you know, (laughs) can you make copies? Can you do this? And I was like trying to go to the next phase (laughs) and I was like, really, really? Yeah. So I definitely had struggles because of that. Not necessarily the products. I more had struggles with people understanding crime analysis in general and the different role that I was trying to, to have within the agency. Yeah. So that was for me, but definitely I say the first thing you do is create an ODBC connection to your RMS. So you don't have to like manually look up that stuff.
1: Well, let's then get to Anaheim. So let's talk about the decision to go to Anaheim because to me, I would just trying to put myself in your shoes at the moment, you talked about, you know, how small this department is. I mean, Anaheim is obviously a big city. So stepping up to this big police department, and that's quite a transition that you're about to take.
0: Yes, it was a really scary jump. So Pl- Placentia's seven square miles and Anaheim's 26 square miles. So much, much bigger. Yes. And I always joked about, so placentia actually bordered Anaheim or borders Anaheim. And when a crime would happen in placentia, I was like, oh, they thought they were in Anaheim. They accidentally came here, <laughs> yeah. so so really, I mean, that was the big thing is I wanted I wanted to be part of an agency that was dealing with those series, you know, I wanted to have a bigger volume of crime. I wanted to have more violent crime, more gangs, you know, but the more interesting stuff, right? Like yeah. I was like, this is definitely what I want to do now I want to go to an agency that has the data for me to really hone in on my analysis skills and I wanted to be part of a unit. It was really hard as a solo analyst, you know, especially at a new an agency that had a new position. Like I said, some of the struggles were definite. I didn't have anybody to talk to at that agency about, you know, what I was doing and kind of the best practices that would work well in the department and for me, I'm a very big collaborator and so that was really important that I I was part of a unit that I could basically say, like, hey, so what do you think?
1: Yeah, there's definitely something to being in a unit. And I felt the difference even when I had worked analyst jobs where there was one, maybe two other analysts there. It didn't seem like we were a unit necessarily. It wasn't until I got to Vanderbilt as an analyst that I felt like, oh, this is what it's like to have co-workers and a manager of analysis and how meetings and And the collaboration and the different viewpoints and talking data. And it was just, it's way different. If you've only been an analyst at a police department, either you're the sole or you got one or two other analysts. It's, it's, to me, it is, it is different and, and very exciting, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we definitely, when I came to Anaheim, I mean, it was the supervisor and myself, and Eva was hired a couple months after me. So it was still a small unit, but it was bigger than just myself. And now our unit has even more people. So it's, it's the idea of an actual unit is there, and the future is there. And I knew that it wasn't realistic at a small agency.
1: Yeah. Hmm. So then how was it leaving the placentia? Because I mean, you, it seems like you grew up there. And so I'm just imagining that it might've been difficult to tell people that you're leaving.
0: That was really, really hard. It was very, very, very difficult decision for me. Like I said, they're bordering cities. So it wasn't like, Mm physically, you know, a huge change for me, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I did. I got that job straight out of college, you know, and I was there basically in all my twenties. I got my job at Anaheim in my, a month before I turned 30. Mm -hmm. So it was hard. The relationships I developed were all, you know, I had some great mentors professionally and personally, they were like, Hey, if you're going to live out here, put money in your 401k, you know, or your 457, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I had people like that, that going to a new agency, I, was, I I was very, very nervous. But I also had people that told me that if I wanted to continue to grow, that I pro- that I would need to go to a bigger agency. I wouldn't be able my full potential. It wasn't at that agency, you know, so I I really listened to those people. I had somebody her name's. Corrine Loomis, and she actually was on my oral board as a cadet. And I'm still friends with her now. She's retired now. And she's like, I remember when you came in as a cadet, like for that oral board. And I was like, we need to hire this girl, because she's going to be awesome. And so when mm-hmm. she tells me those things, I'm like, this is so, that's so nice for you to say, <laughs> you know, and so she was one of the big rooters for me to go to another agency and, and go to a bigger agency that I could do more at.
1: Hi, this is Adrienne Galbrick. Have you ever received an email on a giant listserv and started to hit reply all instead of just reply? If so, you're not the only one, and just always pause and double check before you hit send.
0: This is Michelle Snow, and just want you to remember to build trust with integrity.
1: So let's talk about the transition then, because again, you're going from this small pond to this big lake.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So like I said, I I was lucky enough that I was hired and then Eva Mazio was hired just a couple of months after me. So we both were new at the same time. You know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. like the supervisor, Danielle Martel, she had been there for a while. She had, she's been in law enforcement and then she was at Anaheim for a while, So we had her, you know, to ask questions to and to kind of teach us the lay of the land, right? Because it's a whole new culture that you have to learn. But at least I felt like I'm not completely alone because, you know, (laughs) Eva came from a small agency too. She worked at like the university police. (laughs) So I was like, that's even smaller than where Placentia was. And it's funny because we both actually had this struggle where we were trying to do very similar things to our prior agencies, you know, so I was like, I can read every report that will happen again. (laughs) It's unrealistic.
1: (laughs) No. And I've, I've talked about this a couple of times on the show. When, when you get to these bigger agencies, it's, I think it gets, there's so much data and there's not a lot of documentation. And even even if there was documentation there's there might be something that one analyst might find important that another doesn't and vice versa and but to actually be able to take the temperature of the police department's crime i feel is really difficult at larger agencies whereas these smaller agencies you're reading almost every report you know exactly what activity is happening you're going to be the one that's most likely to remember like oh i remember reading about something like that similar last month or last winter or whatever it is and be able to connect those dots whereas that that might definitely get lost in the shuffle in a larger agency.
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. 100%. That was one of my biggest struggles, is because I'm like, how do I become that person? Like, I don't have the best memory anyway, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm like, how do I become that person that's like, oh, I read this report? You know, like there's so many reports that I, I couldn't. So I actually we developed oh my God, I'm such a fan of OneNote. If nobody <laughs> has used OneNote before, I don't know if have you ever used OneNote?
1: I, I currently do use OneNote as well.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay. So I wish I knew about it when I was in college because I was like, wow, I could have organized all of my notes for all of my classes and everything. But we developed a OneNote and we wrote like notable cases. So we could easily search that information because it was just too much. And then with multiple people, you know, that was the problem is I worked Monday through Thursday, Eva worked Tuesday through Friday. And so, you know, people came in on Friday, then she's like, what were you working on? And it worked out really well. And that we put all of our notes in here, all of our requests, our methodology of how we did like certain searches and we were able to easily see what the other person did or recreate the same thing again.
1: Oh, hmm.
0: Yeah. So that helped us identify like I said any notable cases, any MO that we're noticing, specific case numbers so we could look them up really quickly and and have that information for people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, my one note file is really large now. I'm surprised it doesn't crash. <laughs>
0: I know we had a problem several years ago because it has blossomed into like, we have like meeting notes in there. We, Mm -hmm. um, we do our weekly updates in there. We have every detail and the type of work that we do for them. And years ago, there was like a crash and our OneNote wasn't working. And so I'm like telling IT, I'm all, we have to get this back. (laughs) There has to be some way to get this back. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah. luckily there was, don't worry. It all, it all came back, but it was like a different version, you know, like an older version. So there was a couple of things yeah. missing, but
1: yeah. So then does the position live up to what you expected? And what I mean by that is you wanted to get into a lot more of these crime series and a lot more action, so to speak. Does does that what the position brings to you?
0: So definitely mm-hmm. compared to what I was doing before, yes. I mean, Anaheim is still a it's an orange county, so it's still a fairly safe county compared mm-hmm. to, you know, LA County or something. But it borders LA and we get a lot of, you know, people that wanna drive into Anaheim because I don't know maybe because it is in Orange County. So we still we don't have like huge violent crime rate, but we still have violent crime. We still have those robbery series and and things that are like I can actually make a difference with, you know. Mm-hmm. But overall there it's a lot of property crime still, which is good because I'm able to implement some of the ideas, things that you learn at conferences, you know, things that you hear other people doing that you're like, oh, that'd be really cool to see if I could try here. We're able to to implement it here, but just because of the volume, you know, I didn't have the volume at Placenta, and so I wasn't able yeah. to do any of those things. Analysis, threshold analysis, like it was just hard when you don't have a lot of crime, like the ideas behind it mm-hmm. didn't work well.
1: A nice... Follow up to that would be like, oh, so your analyst badge story is this crime series, but actually, we're going to go in a different direction with your analyst badge story now. <laughs> so, for those that may be new to the show, the analyst badge story is the career defining case or project that an analyst works. And for you, it's during this time around 2015 that you're working as an analyst in Anaheim and you are working on an internship program
0: yes i am so proud of our internship program and i say ours because really even i developed it together but it has blossomed into this like amazing program so we knew that we wanted to do a lot more at anaheim but again the volume was difficult for the two of us to manage And so we just started visiting agencies that we heard had good internship programs. You know, we went to Irvine, we went to Ventura Sheriffs. We, we went to a bunch of different places and we took notes with our OneNote mobile. (laughs) (laughs) I swear I don't get money from them.
1: (laughs) You will will this interview. (laughs) Yeah. Right.
0: So we took, we took notes and we basically took a combination of things and, identified what would be useful at Anaheim, you know, what would work here. And so we, we originally, we marketed to the, the local crime and intel analysis program, you have to have a 400 hour internship. Mm-hmm. So originally we required that we only took students in that program and it was to help them with their 400 hours, you know, so we didn't have to, to market too much. hmm and we had our first intern was in, like, they finished their background <laughs> in 2016, like February of 2016. And they, we, we got, you know, just like anything, right? Like, lessons learned. <laughs> <laughs> we blanketly were just taking anybody and we, We quickly identified why that didn't make sense for us because we still had our own work. You know, it's a lot of work to train somebody up. And we found certain things that we wanted to make sure that there was requirements, you know, certain amount of hours, certain that they could be as an intern, certain amount of really how the process worked, because we wanted to give these people an experience where it wasn't just like, hey, you're an intern and you just do the grunt work. Like, hey, you're an intern and we're actually developing you and we're trying to, the, the goal of the program is to get people a job. So, you know, we don't pay our interns. And the idea is if we're going to have you do all this stuff for free, we're going to teach you how to actually be an analyst. We're going to teach you law enforcement culture. We're going to do mock interviews and we're going to get you a job. And we have luckily done that. We've had 26 interns since 2016. Five of them are current interns. And Anaheim has actually hired three of them, but I think there's only like, maybe a handful that haven't gotten a job somewhere. So yeah. yeah. So I'm really, really proud of it. Like we, oh, the growing pains though, in the beginning. Well,
1: yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Cause I am intrigued about that. Like again, looking back, if you could do it all over again, what, were, what would be some things that you would change?
0: So a lot of them, a lot of things we've implemented now. So we actually don't, hold it only to the certificate students you know we after that first batch of interns that we only allowed these program these 400 hours certificate program students we realized hey we need to broaden it and so we contacted all of the local universities all the local colleges and we marketed to them but we just blanketly like contacted the criminal justice department so i'm pretty sure what they did is they sent out an email to all of their cj students mm-hmm. <laughs> so we went from like you know six interested people to like 50 interested people yeah. <laughs> and i'm like oh my god what are we going to do with this <laughs> yeah it's way too many people so what we did is a q and a and we really explained what crime analysis was and what they would be doing. And we invited everybody. So it was, again, first, a smaller group of people that we did kind of at the department. We had a conference room at the department. And then we had to go to the community center (laughs) because Mm -hmm. we had all these people. So we had this huge presentation, talked about crime analysis, you know, what they, what we needed, that it's a give and take kind of thing, right? It's not Mm -hmm. just we're going to Cause it's exhausting in the beginning, you know, you're just training and training and training and teaching them all these things. But it's like, Hey, you have to show up on time. You have to come when you say you're going to come, you have to, you know, so we realized that we needed to develop these rules almost (laughs) Mm -hmm. and let people and be really firm about those things because some people are like, Hey, I'm just going to show up and, you know, show up for a couple hours and then leave. (laughs) And we're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) You can't do that. That's insane. Uh, So, yeah, so it it went from like extreme. So we learned pretty quickly. Don't blanketly let emails go out to all the CJ students. Instead, we'll go back to specific people. There's like crime analysis courses at some of the local colleges. So we, of course, marketed to those students and then certificate program students and then word of mouth, really, because Mm -hmm. it was just... Otherwise, it was way too many people. There's a lot of people that want internships out there.
1: (laughs) As you're going through and you've developed the selection process over the years, is there attributes that you found lead to more successful candidates over maybe some other attributes?
0: Definitely. So we, people that show up, so we now, we know, we do the Q&A, then we do a, we tell people like, if you're interested, send us an email by this date. You know, like mm-hmm. we make clear expectations that we have and we make them communicate with us even prior to getting the interview. And Those types of things show if they're actually, if it's worth it to them. You know, there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. that just you never hear from again. And so we have made really ways to identify the personality of people, you know, like, and, and we have some of those at the Q&A, you know, we have some people that ask those questions, you know, what are you looking for in an intern? You know, what would be a good quality? And so we tell people like, for us, it, the most important is that you are really want to learn and that you're tenacious, that show that you're interested and, you know, we're going to have the grunt work. Like that's mm-hmm. going to be part of it, right? But that's not all of it, and you have to be okay with that part of it. I guess it's kind of like you have to pay your dues, right, So, mm-hmm. and to get to do the fun <laughs> stuff. That's kind of like what we do. We do a basic computer skill assessment now because we had some people that were like never sent an email before. Mm. And so we're like, hey, you need to know how to turn on the computer. Like <laughs> candidates, <laughs> you need to know how to send an email. Wow. So with, we had some students that, what are the different like Cortana and the different assistants that they have on computers? I don't know all the names of them. Well, obviously Siri for, for Macs and Apple stuff, but there's Cortana, I think for, for HP or something like that. Lenovo,
1: I think it is. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So, so we have them open up a folder and then open up a file. And Mm -hmm. so when we get people that say, like, what do you mean open up a file? (laughs) And we're like, what do you mean? (laughs) I'm confused.
1: Are you messing with me? (laughs) Yeah.
0: And so it's like, no, I just ask so-and-so to open up whatever. And we're like, oh, no, this is not good. (laughs) Well, this is government, so you're going to have to use your mouse and open up a file.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Huh.
0: So it's just, it was, it's really been eye opening, you know, the type of like, and I think it has to do with younger students too that have this capability, you know, that have these options out there. And so at, w- at one moment we kind of like, well, is it us? Like, w- should, are we the archaic ones because we have to use a mouse and click on a file? Should we find a better way to do it? Yeah. <laughs> but then a- we're like, yeah, it's, it's a different way to look at it, you know? Mm-hmm. But you know. also I, I'm pretty sure if I asked my boss for all of us to have virtual assistants, he would laugh in my face.
1: <laughs> well, hey, you know, maybe OneNote will be a virtual assistant one day. There you go.
0: Yeah, there you go. Oh, so yeah, we have an intern OneNote. So we actually developed a like a training manual for <laughs> in OneNote though for the interns. And so some of the basic stuff, like, you know, create a signature for yourself, add this drive to the computer, save this, you know, it's all in OneNote and it's step-by-step. So for the beginning, you know, when an intern starts, they go through OneNote and then we put our exercises in there. So we explain it, but then say, okay, go to OneNote, go to this location and you'll have like four different exercises and we have them practice that skill.
1: Hmm. So, how did you come about developing the threshold of activities? and what I mean by that is you obviously have the grunt work, which is the classic shredding documents or making copies or and the the very mundane activities. but then you get something that the what you called the really cool stuff but there's obviously has to be a point in time where Okay, that's the 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 maximum, and l- that we would let an intern do, right? There's got to be that ceiling there. Um, mm-hmm. So, how did how have you guys developed that from the the, the low end to the very high end of an analyst task?
0: So, of course, it's all mimicked after like what we do here at Anaheim. Uh, so we have them, you know, go through a police report, identify MOs, you know, write that information, data entry, and then the cool stuff. So cell phone analysis, we teach them about it, but we don't have them do it because we're not going to have them go to court ever Mm -hmm. or anything like that. So specialty software like that, they don't actually do live requests. Um, but we at least show them and, and we identify each intern's like capabilities and interests, you know, so we have constant check-ins with them and we identify like, hey, these, this is what we need to do. So you're going to have to learn to do like in the department requests, like intra department requests, and then outside agency requests, we have our interns do. We have them, we, same thing, link analysis. So we don't have them do any live requests for link analysis using I2 But we have them do practice requests or we'll take one of our prior requests and we'll have them then do it themselves, you know, and see if they can create something. And some interns that are really amazing and their skill set is just like off the chains, you know, we'll (laughs) consult with them on projects that we have to do. Some interns that are just like their skill level isn't really understanding, you know, mapping so much, then we don't have them do any of those. But we have our interns do live mapping requests too. Mm -hmm. So we, there really isn't usually hours, honestly, like, because I'm trying to think like ceiling wise, we really teach them to be full analysts. If they want certain people, certain skill sets, we teach them to be full analysts. And so usually it's, they got a job somewhere or, or we've been lucky enough to hire them, you know, then it's, that's when I go to my bosses and I was like, Hey, like with Krina, you know, she was an amazing intern. She was the first intern that we had sit in a detective unit. So she sat in robbery for part of her time. And she would act as an extension of the crime analysis unit. And yeah, so it was really cool. And she developed relationships with them. If there was ever any kind of request that she didn't understand, she, of course, would come back to us and ask us. But we didn't send her over there until we felt comfortable with her skill set, that she could actually pl- provide accurate information, mm-hmm. and that she would be able to sit in robbery, you know, and deal with, yeah. with, it's a different type of personality, right? <laughs> I was sitting yeah. in a detective unit, so we wanted to make sure that she was okay in that environment too. And once we get somebody that is that amazing, then that's when I really try to fight for, like, can we get another position? Can we get a part-time position? Can we do something? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're going to lose this person. They're going to go somewhere else.
1: Yeah. And and you might've just answered this question or, or this next question that I'm about to ask, at least partially, but I still want to get a maybe, a, maybe make sure I get the complete answer from you. So with this program, the internship program, you obviously get the aspect of the the service aspect of it where you are helping out this this students with the internship program and the community building that goes on with there. But in terms of the analyst unit itself, what are they getting out of these interns? <laughs>
0: work really, you know, like I said, because it's, so we try to have four interns at all Mm -hmm. times. So we'll have two senior interns and two junior interns. So really we have the senior interns train the junior interns on some of the basic things like reading reports, data entry, identifying what's important in a, you know, MO, things like that. Mm -hmm. So we're not really having to train them up in, in some of that initial stuff that's really mundane and kind of hard for us, right? It takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it's like a bigger unit, you know, because then we're getting these requests. And sometimes it's like, hey, we can have an intern handle it. You know, we get outside, outside agency requests a lot. We just we have one intern right now. She's, she's really great. And we actually haven't had anybody since Karina that's been able to go into a unit. And so we just have one that is good enough to go now where like she's trained up she's really accurate with everything so she's going to be sitting with another or it's kind of they're called CID but it's like our burglary Mm -hmm. unit Mm -hmm. she's going to sit with them part of the time so it's amazing to have that and to have an extension of our unit kind of eyes and ears out there too because we want to hear what would help the department because we're ultimately in a, a customer service role we're providing a service to the department, and we want to know, like, are there things that we can improve upon to become better analysts, right? If, to provide better information to our customers, and so to have her sitting there, because we can't all do that. You know, we don't have the time to sit there and 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 just chit chat. You know, we we are able to do that sometimes, but we can't sit in units. We're so we're a centralized. We're all in one location, and we. Touch base with kind of our respective areas, but we don't actually sit anywhere else for a, a, t- a you know a chunk of time. Yeah.
1: Hmm. All right. Well, good because I I've said several times on this show I I the internship program is important. It gives an opportunity for college students to get their foot in the door, and I I really wish that. Some of these law enforcement analysis associations would spend more time and energy developing, the helping police departments bridge the gap, whatever it is, between the police department and the universities to try to make sure that really every police department that has analysts also has an analyst internship program. Let's move on then so you eventually become the analyst supervisor yes. and i i find it fascinating when talking to folks where they're the they're an analyst one day and they're looking across the office at Their coworkers, and then the next day they are promoted and now are supervising those same coworkers. So, how was that transition for you?
0: So, I would be interested to hear if you ever hear that it is easy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think anybody ever said it was easy, and it's definitely weird, and there's definitely an adjustment.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely weird. And then when I was promoted, it was just Eva and myself. So mm-hmm. I was a supervisor of one. Yeah. <laughs> so that was also weird. Yeah. And yeah, it definitely, you know, going from, I think at first, because we work so closely together, it di- it was like nothing was different, right? hmm And then at one point, it became different because there was more things being asked. Then it was like, oh, Eva can't answer these questions. She has to direct them to me, right? And so Mm -hmm. that was weird. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm sure that was very weird for her. And it was very weird for me. And I actually was pregnant when I was promoted. So I pretty quickly went on to maternity leave and... Mm -hmm. Eva was the acting supervisor of herself.
1: <laughs> yeah. man, man I bet you those were annual reviews went well.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, I went on leave and then I came back and then it was COVID. Oh boy. <laughs> I think I was back for a few for a few months and then we were all, you know, we were working from home. And so it was kind of like everyone was surviving, you know, there wasn't mm-hmm. really anything different happening. And then I got pregnant again, went back on maternity leave, and what? now I've been back, I guess, the longest amount of time.
1: <laughs> oh, man. So the unit's grown since then, right?
0: Yes. Yes, it definitely has. So Karina, like I mentioned, our prior intern, Karina Gomez, got was hired during my first maternity leave. We got her hired on. And then since I have been back this most recent time, we were able to hire another full-time analyst, Leticia Martinez. And then we got a part-time analyst, Chris Waller. So my new goal is to make him a full-time analyst.
1: (laughs) So another thing that folks tell me that when they become a supervisor is that becomes less about doing the analysis and more about administration, that it's more about hopping from one meeting to the other and organizing and leading that way as opposed to actually doing analysis. Have you found that to be the case now that the unit's gotten bigger?
0: Yeah, I would. So I definitely was a working analyst before, you know, or a working Mm -hmm. supervisor before. So, you know, because our unit was so small, I was still doing a lot of analysis. And now that it's grown a little bit, I'm not really doing any analysis. However, our unit is really tight knit. We have team meetings every other week. I have my own meetings with each individual employee every two weeks as well so I'm more like on a consultant basis helping Mm -hmm. on things so they let me know like if there's a project they're working on they need assistance with it who they should talk to you know then I'm able to help in that way but yeah I mean when I had to give up my I I talk about cell phone analysis because I really enjoy doing that and when I had to give up my license and give it to one of the other analysts, I was like, oh, this is so hard. I'm uninstalling it from my computer.
1: <laughs> it seems final then, doesn't it?
0: It was so sad.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> and so let's talk about you teaching, because yeah, I mentioned that during your intro that you are an instructor. So how did you Get involved into teaching, and then we'll get into some of the aspects of teaching.
0: Like I said, there's there was one local certificate program, and I think there was a lot of students that we weren't getting to because of that. You know, there's a there was definitely a need for there's an amazing need for crime analysis. Like people want to learn about it. It's just they don't have the resources or the options at their school. Mm -hmm. And so I actually met Ron Mark, who's over at the Center of Criminal Justice at Long Beach, and kind of let him know, you know, the current situation with crime analysis, the climate and everything. And we started I think it was originally we were we're probably marketing the internship program. (laughs) (laughs) And then he wanted to meet meet and everything. And so we ended up chatting with him and he, it, it kind of blossomed from there. Like he really wanted to create a certificate program at Long Beach and then also wanted to create a law enforcement, like a, it's called a core course It's developed now, a week long course for law enforcement. And he was like, Hey, I see the need. I have students always asking me about crime analysis. So I think that's great that You know, even I had met with him and we really marketed the job to him. And he was like, this is amazing. I have so many people that would want to do this. And that relationship really blossomed and he, he employed both myself and Eva, but I started teaching with him in that law enforcement core course. So that was the first time I ever taught, which I thought was so weird. Like I thought it was helping like share some information, (laughs) but I never thought he was going to actually have me teach. (laughs) Yeah. And then he was like, okay, so do you think that you can teach some of this? And I was like, wait, what?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Go. (laughs)
0: you want me to tell other people about this? Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I, I still teach in that core course. And from there, it's one of those things like what, once you're in law enforcement, it's easier to, you know, meet other people in law enforcement. So same thing, once you're teaching, once you're in that education field, it's easier to meet other people in that field. And so when they developed an to crime analysis course at Cal State Long Beach, I interviewed for that. And and now I teach that class as well.
1: Yeah, but that's going from like teaching all semester now, right?
0: Yes, yes, so that's very different than like one day twice <laughs> a year, you know. Yeah. Yes, that's an entire semester. I actually teach the the course is only offered in the spring, so it's a January to May semester, and It's really cool because, you know, there's some, it's an elective, so it's, Mm -hmm. it's to undergrads and to graduates. So for graduates that are in a certain, it's like, it's really a crime analysis major. They have to take the course. It's one of their first courses in their program for the other students. It's an elective. So you're going to have some people that are like, and I, I gauge in the beginning, I do a survey to kind of see like, Hey, why'd you sign up for this course? And overwhelmingly there's a lot of people that are like, oh, it worked out for my schedule, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know anything about crime analysis. It just worked with my schedule. Yeah. But those are the people that I'm trying to like convince, you know, and I definitely, yeah. there's people, that come out of that class that are like, I had no idea that this was a professional law enforcement. You know, I knew I didn't want to be an officer. I knew I didn't want to be a dispatcher, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. And now I know that this is an option. And so clearly, you know, I feel like we're marketing the profession a lot better than in the past, but we're clearly still not doing that great of a job, you know?
1: Yeah. There's definitely room for improvement. Hmm.
0: Yeah. And your podcast is actually an assignment that I have in the class.
1: <laughs> how about that? Man. Yes. So that is, it got me a little red in the face. I sure hope it's just not what not to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I actually, I have them have to listen to two podcasts of their choosing and they have to write about like, you know, how did the, the analysts get into the profession because everybody know has kind of a different story and they have to write about their badge story and yeah so it's pretty it's pretty cool to read some of those papers
1: (laughs) very good yeah i would be interested in some feedback from the future the analyst of tomorrow type thing so yeah so Always let me know how I can improve the show. So, no, thank you for doing that. That is uh, quite an honor to have the podcast be part of your teaching.
0: Yeah, definitely. Of course. Thanks for doing something like this. I thought it was such, I'm trying to find different ways to get to students, you know, And, Mm -hmm. and I went to a course when I first started teaching that was about facilitating instead of lecturing. So it was more about students, their peers, you know, and other ways to teach curriculum to students. And so I'm like, hey, what do people listen to? And for a brief moment, because I know that people are into TikTok right now, I was like, should I make a TikTok? And then I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) So I went the podcast route instead.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, hey, so hey, you can always get there. You'd eventually, you just postpone it for now. But yeah, I appreciate the support. So.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: So uh, let's finish up with some advice for the analysts. And what advice do you have for our listeners?
0: So say I went back and I got my master's degree in business and in marketing was kind of the emphasis of it. And I think it's really important. I think throughout my whole career is really been important to market your skill sets, you know, because people don't know what you can do and they don't even know what they want always, you know, so you have to market what you can do and how you can help them. I think you have to be really patient because as we all know, there's definitely those people that are not, you know, pro what mm-hmm. we're trying to teach and what we're trying to do, but that the tide's going to change, right? They're not going to be mm-hmm. the supervisors, the chiefs, the the deputy chiefs forever, you know. You're not going to be at that agency or in that job forever. Just kind of be patient for changes and, and it will happen. It gets better. You know, like Mm. I had an agency that was not about crime analysis at first because it was so new to, Hey, we're going to create a position to, Hey, now I'm the supervisor of a unit and we have like really great support in our department. And I know that it won't be this way forever either. You know, like, The good isn't going to last forever, but it's important to kind of have ideas and be ready for when it does change.
1: And then how about return on investment? What would you suggest an analyst study today? Because in five years, it's going to be important.
0: So I remember years ago being told that, you know, querying languages is kind of like, you know, you you have analysts that understand that, understand SQL, understand different querying languages, but not everyone had to understand that. I think in order, like we're all technology-based, right? And in order to be a better analyst, it's kind of like necessary to at least be aware of those things. Like no Python, you don't have to necessarily know how to write Python, but know that Python exists. <laughs> yeah. There, We use a business intelligence software here. And I think the idea behind it is, kind of the wave of the future, you know, like these live dashboards, live data, nobody wants the static reports anymore, which is great because I don't want to give static information either, like static numbers, but definitely need to be aware of that and, and that it's a thing and how to implement it. Excel always. I don't know. I, there's. It's amazing that there's so many people that don't know, they think they know Excel and they don't know Excel at all. And the people yeah. that I know that have taken Excel courses are all business majors. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's interesting.
1: That's a whole different series of questions you're asking Excel to do in the business world as opposed to the Law enforcement analyst world.
0: I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. so it, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you mentioned trying to get the one part-time analyst a full-time position, but it's 2023 now. So what do you hope for 2023? What are your goals?
0: So we actually have a a yearly meeting and we talk about our goals for the year as a unit. So we have that meeting soon. We haven't had it yet, but yes, definitely the part-time position. So I think with anything, it's, I just did a marketing PowerPoint to our command staff and I know it went well because I walked out of there with the chief asking, so how many positions do you need? (laughs) (laughs) So I want to see some of that happen. I don't just want one full-time. I want, let's be ambitious. I want two (laughs) full-times.
1: Nice. Nice. Very good.
0: And personally, so I have two small kids. I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And they are sick all the time. So I really Aww. want to make it like a month without them being sick. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I really do hope that one happens. Most definitely. <laughs> Aww, so And here, here's a suggestion for you. Not that you don't have enough on your plate already, but you mentioned OneNote a couple of times. That is something I have never seen OneNote taught at an analyst conference. Really? Yeah. You could teach... OneNote and why analysts should use OneNote because yeah. most of them are going to have it. If they have, almost everybody has the Microsoft off yeah. Office products. They they're going to have OneNote. And they probably have no idea how to use it.
0: Yeah, you know what? That's a really, really good idea.
1: So, but you have to give me full credit for it, though.
0: I will definitely. <laughs> <laughs> credit Uh, slash blame
1: (laughs) yeah well if it goes wrong then no, i don't you know you just (laughs) keep that one you can keep that one so (laughs) all right ashley so our last segment to the show is words to the world and this is where you can promote any idea that you wish what are your words to the world
0: i think it is very important to be friendly to everyone that you meet because you never know when they're going to come back into your life because especially as a professor now some of my students end up being like analysts that I work with so people that are attending classes they're like oh hey I saw you at this you know or or like you said at conferences I saw you speak you just never know when you're going to need to to talk to those people again and when they're going to come back in your life so it's it's just good to always be friendly to people
1: very good well I leave every guest with you've given me just enough to talk bad about you later (laughs) mm-hmm But I do appreciate you being on the show, Ashley. Thank you so much. And you be safe.
0: Thank you. You too. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode of Analyst Talk with Jason Elder. You can show your support by sharing this and other episodes found on our website at www.leapodcasts.com. If you have a topic you would like us to cover or have a suggestion for our next guest,
1: please send us an email at leapodcasts at gmail.com. Till next time, Analysts. Keep talking.